So I wonder uh, if you would mind uh, taking a look with me at this, par <clears throat> this paragraph from 2 Corinthians chapter 1 this morning. Uh, it says, but as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me and Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no. But in him, it has always been yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. May God bless the reading of his word. Paul had a a complicated relationship with those darn Corinthians. Um, you know, he'd planned to make a trip to Corinth, and the trip didn't make. And because of it, some people in Corinth accused him of being flighty and unreliable and the kind of guy who says yes one day but then says no the next. And, of course, if a guy can flip-flop on his travel plans like that, well, maybe his preaching is not all that reliable. Maybe his gospel can't be counted on. Uh, maybe Paul's gospel hits you with a no right when you were waiting for a yes. And, uh, and Paul wasn't real excited about that characterization of him and especially his gospel. And what I hear him saying, this is my own gloss to be sure, but what I hear Paul saying is, look, you can say what you want about me, uh, but don't mix the gospel up in this yes-no stuff. Because the gospel of Jesus is yes, it's always been yes, his promises are yes, his strength that helps us stand firm, his spirit, it's yes. It's all yes. Recently, um, after a year, uh, a long year of distance and social distance, my wife and I took uh, my 88-year-old dad to see um, our 18-month-old granddaughter. Her name is June. And uh, my dad had held baby June when she was just a couple months old, just like for a minute. Uh, but, but this was going to be a chance for him to see uh, her since she learned how to walk and since she could really smile and since she learned how to pull uh, ribbons out of her pigtails and, and make tons of animal noises and hug trees and wave goodbye to airplanes. And, uh, but on this particular day that we took my dad to see June, uh, the only problem was that June's parents, kind of her security blankets, were, were not at home. And June was feeling that old dreaded separation anxiety and was understandably pretty fragile. Now, I should tell you that my dad loves kids. I mean, he's always been like kid magnet. He's always been baby whisperer. But little June wasn't having any of it. And when we asked her, we call him uh, Papa, you know, June, do you want to give Papa a hug? She said, nah, kind of like that. It was not a no. It was like more clipped, uh, more quick. It was like more dismissive. It was just like, nah, or sometimes she would say, nah, nah, like that. And uh, we, we kind of joked that his name was nah, nah. Uh, and uh, now when June was distracted, we did something that was a little mischievous, probably a little mean, to be honest with you. But we would take uh, some of her stuffed animals, like a Mickey Mouse or a Llama Llama red pajama, and we would toss them to my dad. <laughs> and she so would be doing something else, and June would look up, and it's like all of a sudden, you know, uh, her treasured animals were in the hands of this scary old man, and she would get this kind of dismayed look on her face, and, and then she would tentatively walk over to my dad, and she would reach like a long arm out like that, and she would rescue her animal, and then she would kind of scurry away, and it was kind of funny, uh, and it was kind of sad. 
because my dad uh, became Nana, you know, this man who personifies love and gentleness produced an instinctive no in her soul. And I kept thinking, Callie, if she only knew him, right? if she only knew who he really is, who he truly is, she would feel differently. But in this moment, in her eyes, her loving great-grandfather was a nah. And I've been thinking about that because, I mean, we've lived through a year of nah, haven't we? I mean, the nah of social interaction and the nah of social distance and the nahs of restricted hospital visitations and the nahs of tiny weddings and the nahs of postponed funerals and the nahs of hidden smiles behind N95 masks. It's been just a daggum year of nah. And, uh, and it's been not just a year, but I think it's been a season of nah for the church. It feels to me, your mileage may vary, but it feels to me like increasing numbers of disaffected people are looking at contemporary expressions of Christianity, and they're not just saying nah, they're saying nah, 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 you know where that's going, right? And, um, and unfortunately, you know, maybe in some cases, the folks who are hashtag emptying the pews are, are just getting the church back, right? Uh, they, they heard a big fat nah from us all these years, and now they're returning the favor. At the Christian uh, college that I attended way back in the era of um, uh, Electric Jesus, uh, they, th- these young and very serious evangelists would sometimes come to our campus, and they would stand at very busy campus intersections, and they would read from uh, old King James Bibles, and they would, like, they would do gestures like this, and then kind of like this, you know, and they were very theatrical, and uh, they would flail their arms, uh, and, and they would basically, their basic, like, one sermon to us was that we were all bound for hell, and, and they would use these amazing King James words, I think they were King James words, uh, and they would, like, call us harlot, and wine bibbers, and things like that, and... Uh, they would point to co-eds uh, walking by and make really mean comments about the supposed inappropriateness of their attire. It was not inappropriate, but they would make comments about it. And, 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 and it, as I look back, it, it just feels like what these young evangelists were doing, it was really the ministry of Nah, to be honest. And as college students, we would laugh. Uh, but sometimes, like, walking to class, I get a little freaked out. Like, what if that guy's Jeremiah, you know? And what, what if he's right about me, you know? And, and uh, it, was, it was a nervous laughter, to be sure. Um, and I think those young uber-fundamentalist evangelists were just, what they were doing was they were just playing into our deepest fears about God, that God is Dr. No, right? That he hates us, that he's scary, uh, that he points a, a finger in our direction and he calls us names we fear to say out loud. And maybe this guy, while we're not even looking, confiscates what's precious to us, our, our Lama Lama red pajama and, and our Mickey Mouse and our Minnie Mouse. And if we approach God at all, it is with fear and it is with haste and it is reaching out these long prayer requests to try to rescue from him what we want and then running away as soon as we get what we're searching for. And I would say to you, like, if you grew up with any of this, um, and if you're dealing with, like, even an inkling of any of this right now, like, why not run to 2 Corinthians chapter 1? I mean, 
could 2 Corinthians chapter 1 reframe all those untrustworthy feelings about God? I mean, could 2 Corinthians 1 and passages like it pull down God's N95 mask long enough to see a loving, gentle, even smiling face? I mean, could it even reframe prayer? Like, what if prayer is less about retrieving precious toys from God's clutches and more like just in sitting in God's lap, right? And letting him tell us the stories of our lives. I mean, could it even reframe risk? Not because we're trying to fulfill the seven laws of spiritual achievement or anything like that. Not because it would make God love us anymore. He's already said yes. He's already said yes to us. Right? Not because we're trying to become a great person. We're already holy in Christ. But, but could it take the risk factor away? I mean, what's the worst thing that could happen? These people that try to write gnaw over our soul and call us wine-bibber and harlot and tell us we suck. I mean, is that the worst thing that could happen? That we might fail and tell ourselves we suck? Look, ultimately, what matters most, Paul says, is God says yes to us in Christ. Not nah, <laughs> not nah, nah, not no, but yes, 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 yes. In Jesus' name, amen.